0: Wow, it has been, has been a while since we released
1: an episode. Yeah, it's been a month. A month since we released, let alone since we recorded.
0: We have been busy with life. Yes,
1: it's kind of annoying. We all have lives. That's that's unallowed. That's unallowed? Not allowed. Th- th- an- unallowed. Unallowed. I, I, I'm perhaps affected by looking at a Polaroid I took of my cat. It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, have been playing Life is Strange.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, and in that the protagonist uh, has a Polaroid camera and uh, just takes Polaroids off everything. And of all the things, all the lasting impressions that game has left me with, I, just an urge to get Polaroid film and put it in the Polaroid camera I've got was <laughs> one of the strongest.
0: You, you hipster.
1: Yes. Uh, so I tested the uh, the film because it's it's weird. The new uh, it's the Impossible Mission stuff, which mm. is the company that sort of bought the rights to the formula for Polaroid, I think, basically is what happened. Right. And um, their stuff isn't quite the same as Polaroid, so you get slightly uh, unpredictable effects using a Polaroid camera with it. Ah. So I, I did a test shoot to see what it would look like of KD, and it's, it's sort of blurry and slightly off colour, and it looks very Polaroid aesthetic. <laughs> and it makes him look like a spooky copy pasta cat. Spooky, spooky. He's a spooky kitty. Spooky. I, I shall no doubt tweet a scan of spooky kitty and probably put it on my Flickr. But yes, <laughs> I'm going to be hipster photographing everything with my Polaroid now. Ah. Which is it's. All right. How like life? So- I own a ridiculously expensive DSLR. With many megapixels and fancy glass, and I want to carry around
0: the Polaroid. It's the same situation when you is like, I have an MP, I have an iPhone and MP3. I'm gonna go and buy <laughs> the oldest Walkman possible. <laughs> That's not something I do. Oh wait,
2: <laughs>
1: that is something I specifically did. This yes, is they actually they sort of matching color schemes as well. They're both sort of uh, that sort of silvery blue. Nice. I, I clearly, I just want to be alive in the early 80s. That's just my whole deal. Well, I was alive in the early 80s, but <laughs> I, I wasn't old enough to enjoy it.
0: In the 80s, the 80s. Oh, Shall we do
1: oh. one of those podcast show things?
0: We could do. I mean, that is our whole whole thing.
1: Yeah, why not? Hello and welcome to World One Stage One. I'm Garnet.
3: I'm Amethyst.
1: Does that make me Pearl? I suppose you could be Steven.
3: You could be Steven, Yay! but I, I, I would have been Pearl, but no one was saying Amethyst,
1: so... <laughs> and how like Pearl to jump in and go, this is awkward, I must say
0: something to make it less awkward.
1: <laughs> uh, and in case you hadn't guessed from that, we're talking about Steven Universe eventually.
0: Eventually, yes.
1: I have to... But- We must first, yes, we must have the the traditional question of, has anyone gone to the cinema?
0: Yes. I've seen three films. Good Lord.
1: I know. And I'm hoping that they are films that I want your opinions on, because certain films that I want opinions on have come out.
0: We'll we'll soon see.
1: Yes. What have you been to see?
0: In in order, I saw Jurassic World, then I saw Ant-Man, and then I saw Inside Out. Ah, excellent. Those are all three films I was hoping you would mention. Yay! <laughs> I did a thing! And
1: think, how did you find them?
0: Uh, they were all really good. That's uh, promising. I mean, starting with Jurassic World, it's. I went in there going, I want to see big, stumpy things eat little, you know, tiny human things. And that's what I got.
1: So. I would say you were going to the right film, yes. Yes.
0: Uh. Ant-Man, I wanted to see big stompy thing turn into little tiny thing, fighting smaller tiny things, turning into big things. I'd say that's the right film, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with a fight in the kid's bedroom, yes. And a fight in a briefcase, which is one of the greatest scenes ever. I will disintegrate you. Now playing Disintegrate by the Cure. <laughs> okay, that sounds quite good. Yeah. I sort and, uh, of need to go see that. Yeah, and then um, Inside Out, I wanted to see little tiny emotions in your head, and f- see what happens, and that's what I got. And then I watched my wife cry the entire my wife, yeah, my wife cried the entire way through the film.
3: What the hell is wrong with Pixar? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Pixar are the are the guys who go, "What if X had feelings?" So you know, Toy Story. What if toys had feelings? Cars, what if cars had feelings? There's a a dark underside to the cars question. Mm. Not this again. (laughs) (laughs) Wally, what if robots have feelings? And then you eventually get, you eventually work your way down the line and you get inside out and it's, what if feelings had feelings? Basically, yes.
1: Yeah. Which sort of just, I've been watching a lot of BoJack Horseman and there is a wonderful moment where Diane rather tiredly attempting to come up with a new idea lying in the detritus of her life, looks across the room and just goes, idea for a Pixar movie. Pizza boxes. What's going on with them? (laughs) It's coming. It's Pixar. It's inevitable.
0: Their their next film is dinosaurs. So uh. Yeah, which brings
1: us back around to Jurassic World again. My God, we're going in circles. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Ant-Man is one I was... I I wasn't in a rush to see, but I've started hearing enough good things from enough people I trust that I think I do have to watch it.
0: I don't trust a certain, let's say, caveat of the world on stage one crew <laughs> when it comes to any film he reviews.
1: Oh, well, no, what I was going to say is, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about it from a lot of people and, and Jack seemed to hate it. So that's all good recommendation. Yes. Because <laughs> yep. when Jack, if Jack dislikes a film, then I'm probably going to agree with him. But when he absolutely loathes it, I yeah. tend to find it's my kind of film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean the, the whole thing that actually, you know, maybe made cause Jenna saw it before I did. And the whole thing that maybe we made, me, made me want to make me want to see it even more was when he was like, To see this film you have to have a lobotomy. And I was like, Right, I'm gonna see this and then see how wrong you are. <laughs> and uh I saw it and then I saw it with Alex, Will, uh Todd and Lewis and when we came out of the film, we then spammed his Facebook page with, you're wrong. Well, you remember the
1: way he actually put it on Facebook. It was worse yes. than Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Which, to me, seems obvious, because, of course, all the Marvel Cinematic Universe films are worse than Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Suffice to say that Jack and I disagree on that one. Yes, <laughs> and me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, whilst I was unsure about the film, I fucking loved their promotion. They really, really went out of their way to advertise this one brilliantly. I, I take you you've seen, seen some of the stuff they've been doing.
0: Is that like the posters?
1: Yeah, and the tiny billboards.
0: Yes. Have you seen the artwork that someone was doing?
1: I, I've seen but some artwork. I don't the, know if it's the I same mean, artwork I mean, you're yeah, referring I mean, to. The,
0: um, where they've put small figurines of like, Ant-Man fighting yellow jacket up a, on a... Oh, the bollard like, that a would knocked over. that would be knocked over, yeah. Yes,
1: that was brilliant. <laughs> I
0: was like, that's super clever. Was that,
1: was that official promotional stuff, or was that just no, that, coincidence? That was,
0: that was coincidence.
1: That's just someone who's very timely with their stuff. Yes. <laughs> ah, that's all films I want to see, and you've yes. just confirmed that I want to see them. Yes. I'm um, going to have to start getting busy going to the cinema. Yeah.
0: Jurassic World. Get to see it while you can because it's obviously not going to be there for much longer. Is it's you know, it's really good. We went went in and want to see big, stompy dinosaurs eating people. We got to see big, stompy dinosaurs eating people. We got to see Chris Pratt be amazing.
1: I was going to say, you get all of that and Chris Pratt too.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, and that's it. That's all I need in a film. Yeah. And then, uh, like inside out, you know, it's typical Pixar flair. Uh, it gives you the feels. It, it gives you the feels. Oh God, it giving you the feels. Uh, the Pixar short on this one is a beautiful little video done to a song about uh, two volca- about volcanoes. Yes, I've I've heard about this. It's uh, good. With a little bit seen, of sort of
1: gentle poking, I think, which is the from the company that brought you gendered umbrellas now gendered volcanoes.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> on the, that Tumblr thing. <laughs> yeah oh that got me so annoyed and then the person that yeah. that was wrong
3: if you start bringing up the stuff about iziz that was wrong and was posted specifically by an anti-social justice warrior poster Sorry. it was not based on iziz and his wife it was done by just a pixar guy who's like i went to hawaii and i want to do a thing about volcanoes so yeah they are just <laughs> unnecessarily gendered volcanoes all re- all resemblance to important hawaiian figures is accidental
1: but well, they are gendered volcanoes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: volcanoes. Yeah, it's really good. And, and other it's, stuff it's,
1: that you wanted. Uh, did I get the hint that you wanted to talk about other stuff?
0: Oh, I got, I got my wife battering in my ear <laughs> about. Because she's obviously just come back from Ketocon, which was a uh, rip roaring rousing success, apparently, at the convention. Oh, knackered. She's knackered.
1: I was uh, watching the videos of the Professor Elemental show in great uh, jealousy.
0: Yeah, I, but didn't I know did
1: that. tell myself that you know they had to endure Mr. B as well, so oh, I like it balances Mr. B. out. Yeah, but you have to understand, there's a feud, and you have to pick yeah, one so side. that's You got
0: to pick a side. That is true. <laughs> I like both of them. That's the problem. Shh. So
1: do I. And they I, like each other. Don't okay. let on. I saw them having
2: points.
0: <laughs> Jenna saw them having pints together. Jenna actually, a, actually sat there and had a great big long conversation with Mr. B because she was because uh, she was um, selling some of his stuff for him the dealer's room. Ah. And, uh, yeah, it were, they were really, I mean, they're really nice people anyway, and I knew that, but. And Tiny Tina was there. Oh, yeah, and the voice actor for Tiny Tina from Borderlands 2 was there. Oh, is that Ash? Is that, yeah, Ash was there, yeah.
1: From Hey Ash, Whatcha Playing?
0: Yeah. And
1: also Chloe from Life is Strange. Say that again? Uh, she's also Chloe from Life is Strange, which I've oh, been right. playing far too much of.
0: Okay. What's that? She did a let's play.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, she did a live let's play of all the Lands Two apparently. Oh that's pretty cool. Yeah. I was busy. But um yeah, she wants basically she, what she wants to do is do some plug 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 plugging because um for those who remember us going to Amicon <laughs> Yes, when are the tickets for Amicon twenty sixteen? Uh registration opens the thirty first of August this year. Awesome. There are what nine hundred places? Wait, no, I'm not in the country. Why are you
1: doing why are you doing registration when I'm away? <laughs> Online, no. Yeah, but
0: I'll the hotel Wi Fi, fuck. Oh no. <laughs> what are you doing to me, Amicon? There's yeah, there's nine hundred regular spaces and they're going to be a hundred VIP tickets as well. Ooh. Uh, which are what, eighty five pound a ticket? Yeah, understand. And the standard is £48. Pounds. And but what the, do the um, fancy VIPs get? Stuff. <laughs> S- stuff and privileges. It is undisclosed right now. <laughs> Undetermined stuff. But, um, an extra hour in the
2: dealer's room. An
0: extra hour in the dealer's room. You get early access to the dealer's room or late stay in the dealer's room. I don't know how it works. But If, um, if it's
1: not early access, that late stay is not great. It's the, uh, hey, yeah,
0: you've got access. an extra hour to buy
1: the tat that didn't sell.
0: Yeah. But, um... They did uh, an auction for two of VIP tickets, last thing, apparently, as they tend to do, sort of thing. And um, one guy won, it came as a pair, sort of thing. One guy won it. He paid a £1,000 for him. Jesus. Yeah. So he's going to get all the you know the two badges that they, he will have are going to get extra, extra, like, VIP stuff as well because he a £1,000.
1: Yeah, that's an extremely very important yeah. person.
0: That wasn't the most money raised for a single item at the auction, though. No. Oh, no. because
3: everybody's very nice about giving money to charity.
0: Yes, it was all for charity, indeed. Yes, I'm not sure what the charity was this year,
1: but they do a lot of work for charity. It's
0: but um, yeah, the item that sold the that raised the most money was a orange box that came from Konami. Ooh, mystery box! Yes,
1: Konami have recently been in the news for being totalitarian staff-abusing bastards, <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if it was just full of a turd. Was it? Did it contain a turd?
0: Mm, uh, well, it depends how what you feel about Metal Gear Solid, Castle, Oh, so made, yes, uh, it did.
1: Pears,
0: <laughs> football, you know, depends what you what you feel about all that. Um, but the guy who won the auction sped. £1,700 on it. That's impressive. That is impressive. And I think that's the most money ever raised for any item in the UK auction at uh, a convention. Very Definitely nice. On that. I don't know for certain, but that's the most I've ever heard come out of one of those and it's for a single item.
1: Oh, we'll have to see if there's an auction at Nine
0: Worlds to see if anyone's fancying trying to beat it. Yes, indeed. Because, <laughs> you know, oh, can't let the little convention... Beat everybody else. <laughs> not that Kita's a little convention anymore, mind you. Still. Yeah. 1,700
3: people. Nah. I don't know if academics will spend as much money as weeds.
0: Well, not everyone
1: at Nine Worlds is an academic. This is true. The, the academic track is just one track of Nine Worlds. There also, are Nine Worlds and um, many tracks.
0: Also, you've got the thing of uh, next year's Kita has been announced already uh, from the 1st of April to the 3rd of April. In Birmingham at the Hilton, same location, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. But registration hasn't opened for that yet. Oh, no,
0: no, not for.
1: Have announced, announced it yet. See, not doing
0: their own little competition though, because in every compact came a laser-printed dick butt.
1: Yes, I I heard about the laser-cut dick butts because I saw someone posting a picture of their flesh um, with the uh, caption. Claire, yes, yes, Claire, <laughs> with the caption of that feeling when you forget you put a pound and a laser-cut dick butt in your
0: bra. Yes. Um, basically, they're doing a competition for take a picture of the dick butt in the most interesting location ever to win yourself a VIP ticket for next year.
1: Well, Claire could have gotten off to a strong start with it. You in could her have run. done,
0: indeed. But they got, they got to the 1st of December, apparently, to do so. So I've got to figure out where we're going to put ours.
1: And thanks to Zach's autocorrect, uh, Kitacon will now always be the kitchen in my head. <laughs> nice. Yes, it made a big post about the uh, epic journey back from the kitchen.
0: Louis, nice. yes, it was uh, apparently a great success. So come to come to Amicon next year. It's going to be in the Warwick Arts Centre in Coventry, which is a best. much
1: better location. It this won't try of, and kill us.
0: It's one of the best locations for a convention in the UK,
1: and has no intention of killing any organizing members. Tried and tested. So yeah. Unless it's decided to turn on us this year, which is year.
3: always possible.
0: Always possibility, but uh, from when Jen and the guys went and had a site visit, apparently it's very nice. Like even and more they've so, improved they've improved it. it so,
1: ooh. Yeah. well, I mean, I say "ooh," but I never saw it, it was like unimproved. So I'll just go and enjoy it. <laughs> yes,
0: right. I'll be back momentarily. I've got to go and do something in the kitchen. Uh, Marvelous. I can still hear you, do so I can reply.
1: OK, cool. Um, in that case, have I got anything that I want to tell people before we start the main topic that would not rely on? Yes, we have some listener mail. Yes, I'll do that. Um, I think we might actually have some real listener mail as well. Let me just briefly check Listen whether we have some mail. genuine listener mail as opposed to the other one, which I'm, I realize by saying that I've slightly given the joke away. But... Uh, I'm now just talking whilst I do things on my computer, so that it's not silent. This is the best show ever, guys! Aren't you glad we're back?
0: Well done. It's what we do. It is
1: what we do. Okay, fantastic. Yes, because we had some really nice, genuine listener mail. Yay! Over the break, uh, from Yannick, who has uh, written to us before, who writes very appropriately. How are you, gentlemen? (Parenthesis: ladies.) I was re-listening to your Elite episode, and the rest of them, because I have no new World 1 Stage 1, hint hint, I got to the bit where you were reading out some listener mail, and I think you were marvelling that people pay attention to you. I felt that this is the point to mention that it's your fault, my life is going the way it is. So, the series of events is, World 1 Stage 1 comes to Simply Syndicated, and I listen to all of the back catalogue, I'm going to take a break from reading the mail to say I'm sorry, Uh, and you start basically informing my game choices. By this point, I was sort of into games. They were fun, but that was about it. You show me there were freaking awesome games out there, and Simon starts talking about his stint as a game dev. This got me thinking that, hey, maybe that's a thing I can do. So I I messaged Simon on Twitter to ask him how to start. I remember that message. Uh, I spend half an hour trying to teach myself C++ and then decide that enough is enough and I should try and make a Fallout-inspired text adventure. Predictably, I get nowhere and give up for the moment. Time moves on. I pick up computer games programming as my degree. I go to Stafford. Get engaged. And I can't stop playing and making games. You dicks. I wouldn't be in the position I'm in, doing something I absolutely love, and I wouldn't have met my fiancé without you guys. I, sometimes, I know, right? I sometimes miss we the old-style- <laughs> We are
0: amazing. We people together.
1: We do. It's weird. I'm... I sometimes miss the old-style World 1 Stage 1. And Troy. But mostly, I miss having you all talking at me. If you guys. We miss him too. We do. However, there is a possibility that he'll be in a European time zone, at least for a brief period of time, which might make recording a remote show by Skype possible. We shall see. Uh, If you guys are in Stafford, Nottingham, I, I did actually write back to say, dude, we were in Nottingham not long ago. Um, since they are places I apparently span across, being a student is weird. Ooh, nested brackets. Yet yeah, that was all in varying levels of parenthesis. Let me know. I want to buy you a beer or drink of preference. Feel free to either read this out or not. I don't mind either way, but I want to let you know I care. A genuine, actual, touching uh, mail, which is awesome. Wow. And uh, we also got a picture from Christopher Hale of a Pebble Watch showing a um, Pip-Boy um, watch face. Oh, Because cool. we were talking about real-world Pip-Boys. Oh, that's something I could talk about as well. Oh, talk about it then. Um,
0: I managed to get one. Oh, did you? Yes.
1: I had the opportunity and didn't.
0: I, I did it on the back of all the fa- all the cancelled uh, foreign editions. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Normally, I'm like, I'm very sorry for you guys. That sucks and stuff. But in this particular occasion, it's working for my benefit. So, well, I was, it's a good I was, thing I was you did. Because number five in mine, game and shout on them. I was just like, yes, mine, nice. forty pound, take it. I don't care.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's a good job you did because I don't know if you've heard. Um, they un- they've made as many as they could physically make. I had not heard that in an interview with Bethesda. They were basically. Uh, not suggesting, but asking if it was one of those situations of a sort of an artificial supply and demand, you know, God, are you just trying to keep people keen by, you know, uh, downplaying the production numbers? They're like, no, 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 we're not. No, we were so stunned by the number of pre-orders that we went back to the factory and we were like, make more, make more, make more. Uh, Until they said, look, guys, no, this isn't your factory. This isn't the pit boy factory. You you book us (laughs) for a number of runs. We have to stop. We have other jobs. Uh, so they made as many as they physically could make, and they've sold them all. No more.
3: Go fight that factory.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there there are certain people who didn't get their pre-orders that if they knew the address of the factory in question would go and make them change their mind with planks with nails in them.
0: Yeah. They've also got more money out of me because I went out and pre-ordered the uh, Fallout anthology as well. <laughs> <laughs> I you, I who, would have, mini
1: nuke. who would have made money out of me if they hadn't sold out? And that's the, the um, Mad Max Fury Road edition that comes in the limited edition oh car my God, box. Yes. Oh, I want that so badly.
0: Yeah. Did you know about that, Jen? It's oh, so your Oh, yes. It was on a huge Facebook, yes. Yes, oh, I- yes
1: I'll, be, I'll be getting hold of that one if it comes back into stock. Yes, you can. We had other listener mail as well.
0: Is that the local? Woo, what was that? Speak again. I went the robotic. My bad. You, you did. Was that the, lo- was that the local listener mail?
1: But when you say local, local to you, yes.
0: <laughs> local. <laughs> I
1: am a huge yet relatively new fan of the show. I began listening on that spellbinding edition of the show in which Rob made his delightful return as a mostly full-time member of the World One Stage One Massive. My question is simple and in two parts. Part one: If you were to make one major change to the video game industry, what would it be? Part two. What is it you love most about Rob, and when is he going to be back on the show? His refreshing influence on the show makes my wretched existence (laughs) worth enduring. Please don't consider how I know Rob will not be recording tonight. Please. Regards, obvious not pseudonym, Bert Maletta. That is not Rob Coletta. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, So to answer your question, we'll address the second part first. What we love most about Rob is the pleasing satirical imitation of Lister Mail we receive from him when he's not around.
0: (laughs) Hey, at least when I write Lister Mail, I write it in a very, you know, here is fact question. Huzzah.
1: (laughs) That is true. Um, And as for when he'll be back on the show, that's up to him.
0: Well, considering that, you know, he kind of can't do it unless Jack's around.
1: Ah, well, he could make arrangements if he tried hard enough. But uh, uh, yeah, it's true. He'll be back when Jack can provide him with a microphone. Yes, indeed. and Jack will be back when he is not dying from exhaustion because his trip back from Kiter apparently didn't go as well as yours. Even uh, it was Janice. Uh, no, no, no,
2: he's
3: not dying.
0: He's not dying. Apparently, no. Okay.
3: Well, no, I don't.
0: It's just trains. He himself is not dying. Well, the I, the, the network rail system I itself think he's is. Got more- he got more sleep than Jen.
1: Fair enough. But I, I guarantee if he is trapped on an unmoving train for long enough, he will die. That's true.
0: That could be, that could be true
1: said about anyone, really. Well, yes. <laughs> That's why I can make that statement with such confidence. Plus, yeah. he doesn't
3: really know much about Steven Universe.
1: No, but it's sometimes fun when he doesn't know about things. Witness yeah, the Adventure I mean, Time episode. Yeah. And if you haven't heard it, listeners, go and witness the Adventure Time episode.
3: Witness it. Witness are
1: <laughs> Right, Nash. What are you want to do, event Time? Do yes, but not tonight. Tonight yeah. is Steven Universe. But first, we ought to address part one of Rob's question. I suppose.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Mage changes to the games industry. What would you do? I'm asking you, the listener. No, I'm asking you, Jack.
0: Ah! Uh... Uh... <laughs> oh, robots! Oh. One second.
1: <laughs> he has to go and kill the robots.
0: That seems
3: fair.
1: As I remember, that was part of life in Cheltenham. Damn you, Bender.
3: <laughs> Frequent um, robot incursion. What
0: would I do? Uh, release full games that, you know, that work. <laughs> that Ooh, day controversial. That one... <laughs> doesn't need day one patches and all that kind of bullshit.
3: And pay-to-win DLC.
0: Pay-to-win
1: DLC, or... Are you uh, listening Warner Brothers? Are you listening Ubisoft?
0: <laughs> uh Jenna says she would she would, the thing she would change would be to make a Harry Potter Skyrim type game.
3: Oh uh, the much the much the, wanted
0: the much called for.
3: Hogwarts RPG. Yeah. I mean,
0: that would be boss.
1: I'm not sure I'd classify it as a major change to the industry, but oh, it would no, be no. awesome.
0: I reckon it would change an aspect of the industry, I suppose. More Possibly. Harry
3: Potter based <laughs> thing.
0: Shut up, yeah. But um
3: If the Sims fandom has taught us anything.
0: Well if if affairs have no got any any you know sense, they'll be the ones to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, you know my change would be released, you know, go back go back to classic style, release the full content of the game in a single go.
1: I mean even then expansions were a thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I
3: don't have anything against expansions.
0: Day one patches.
3: But no. Day one, D, yeah. D, day yeah. one DLC is a very different thing because it provides something to work on once the game, once the game has gone into testing and things. So, and like in fact, it's apps. waiting to go out.
0: Stop rushing games for release.
1: Yeah, that that would be yeah. my big one is publishers let developers tell you when it will be ready,
0: rather not than the a, other
1: way around.
0: Rather yeah. than
3: a franchised one game per year release cycle.
1: I'm looking at you, Sega. Uh, looking at anything by yeah. Uh, EA. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're all agreed on the major change to the industry. Finished games.
3: That would be nice.
1: Uh, and if you want more information, please refer to the PC version of Arkham Knight when it's available.
3: (laughs) If it's Um, ever available.
0: I'd probably also say, you know, to go back and finish games that they haven't. They said, you know, we're definitely going to release the thing to fix this. Like a final expansion. And they never do. I'm looking at you, Lego The Hobbit.
1: I'm looking at you, Half-Life Episode 3.
0: But now you said it!
1: No no, so no, 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 reset no, the no, 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 I didn't, I said Half-Life Episode 3, that's a completely different thing to the thing that resets the counter. Okay. Because before they announced that game, they were doing the episodes, remember, we had now Half-Life is, Life 2, guess, Episode 1, Half-Life Episode 2, but so we never got the third episode, they then said they would do the third game instead, and then they didn't do that either.
3: Which yeah. is why everybody theorises that the number 3 is, is anathema to Valve. And they just don't like it.
1: Valve can only count to two, is what we're saying. Yeah. Which is ironic, considering they released left four dead.
3: <laughs> oh, that's why I don't say they can only count to two. I say that they just can't count three.
1: Well, no, you see, I think they, they can only count to two. They know the number four exists. They have no idea what you would do to count up towards it, but they can use it in a title. Because they've yet to release a Half-Life higher than 2, or a Half-Life episode higher than 2, or a Portal higher than 2, or a Left for Dead higher than 2, or a Team Fortress higher than 2, or a Source Engine higher than 2. What version is Hammer their engine up to, uh, their um, editor up to? Let's have a look. Because I bet that's the exception to the rule. The Valve Hammer editor is up to version 4.x. There we go. That's the only thing they can release in versions higher than 2.
3: They're learning.
1: <laughs> They're practicing. Yay! <laughs> Okay, uh, shall we transfer this to Beach City?
0: Yes. Sounds like a plan. Okay, let's
1: keep Beach, uh, Beach City weird. So tonight's topic of conversation, Steven Universe, which is on hiatus between bombs, and I need more of it. <laughs>
0: bom, bom, bom. I still need to watch it. I still need to watch more of it.: What
1: are you up to? So we'll try and avoid too many spoilers.
0: Uh... Mm-hmm. I'm not so fussed about spoilers because I've I know enough by you know spoiling myself. So oh, okay, oh, okay. But That's um, cool. the last stuff I actually watched was um. <sighs> no, nah, nah, I'm having. Uh, I get really confused because I keep watching a lot of it on Cartoon Network as well, and they are not the best at showing stuff in a continuity that works.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Since since Cartoon Network have changed their style, or pretty much all their shows to here are 15, you know, here are all our shows like fifteen minutes, you mm. know, nice quick chunks, and we like this. What we'll do is in a in a half hour segment, we will take two random episodes from two periods in the fucking timeline. so Adventure Time is great. You can have like an episode from the first series, and an episode from the latest series. <laughs> That's
1: quite disturbing.
0: That's
3: a really or, painful contrast.
0: Yeah, I know, right? So you get Finn with his you know Finn's starting voice. To Finn's eighteen-year-old voice now, and it's just like, ah, fuck.
1: And let's face it, the the somewhat jarring tonal difference between the two.
0: Yes. Oh yeah. And then they did the food chain episode a lot, and we like that. Uh, that's such a great episode. Such a creepy episode. Yeah, it's creepy because point.
3: Magic Man is
0: there. Magic is Man. Do you know Magic why it's so Man. creepy? Because lol, Japan. That was oh, That was a guest Japanese guest director. Ah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a uh, the guy who did. Cat soup. He does a lot of the weird abstract anime. Okay, you know, so and the at-
1: weirdness and the abstractness.
0: Yes, it well, made- it didn't us- seem that out of place for a time. No, but when it, even like, like you know the art style was different. But yeah, um, and the birds. And the yeah, I made the birds the the Finn and Jake's tweeting bird music as Dennis' ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> so when the phone goes off, she gets. Like the whole thing, I was like, Sigh. "She wanted it, I suppose." <laughs> um, you asked for it. You can't un-ask for I, it.
2: You offered.
0: <laughs> I did. I did offer, mind you, because I learned. Well, that how was to make your ringtones. mistake. Yeah, I finally learned how to make make ringtones with iTunes. So yeah, so all just bets not, are off. Yeah. Uh, Christ, I I Is really it? have no idea. The last thing I remember watching continuity-wise, was the was, um, Ruby and Sapphire ref- Garnet's refusion.
1: Oh, okay, at the Which motel. One? Or do you, do you mean after <laughs> at the, the end of season one, in the prison breakout, the first time they're broken apart, or do you mean yeah. season two, when they're having an argument in a motel? Season one. Okay, they're okay. very different situations. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you garnet Garnet's song. You know? Yes. Okay. Yes. Stronger than you.
3: So you yeah. have seen season one, but nothing from the season bombs.
0: I've, I've, box, probably, I've probably seen episodes from season two. But like not cause in cause order. Because Carter Network's amazing continuity situation. But yeah, I, I couldn't give you exacts.
1: Fair enough. We won't dwell too much on season two then, except to say that. Um, Steven Universe is a show that uh, absolutely follows what I saw recently as quite a good description for sort of modern cartoons, which is Season 1, Happy Fun Adventures that gets you invested. Season (laughs) 2, Hello Naughty Children, it's trauma time. Yes.
3: As opposed to Over the Garden Wall, which just had one season that apparently just went... Ten episodes, yeah. Yeah, ten episodes that just
0: flip-flopped wildly between the two. We have that on our Skybox to watch. We haven't watched it yet. That's true. It's on demand, isn't it?
1: (laughs) So Steven Universe is a cartoon on the Cartoon Network. It is.
3: It is made by Rebecca Sugar, formerly a member of the Adventure Time team, which Mm. explains the similarity there.
1: And a writer of songs for Marceline.
0: Yes.
3: But the general prevailing fan theory is that Rebecca Sugar got sick of being told that she couldn't put Marceline and Bubblegum together as a couple, so ran away and made a show entirely about lesbian gemstones from space. And then when they asked her why they were all lesbian gemstones from space, she was like, they're monogendered and come from space, therefore it's not lesbian, please put me on the Cartoon Network.
0: Well, you know the, the 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 bodies
1: aren't real. Yeah, they're just projections. Yeah. These 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 beings are literally gemstones. They don't
0: have to eat. <laughs> they some can. of them don't. Some of them don't even do it. It's disgusting.
1: <laughs> but of course, um, one of Rebecca Sugar's first loves in animation was actually Invader Zim.
2: <laughs>
1: and uh, I actually there isn't any Zim fan art on her DeviantArt, which makes me sad.
0: They used
1: to be. They used to be. But she does (laughs) still have a DeviantArt page up.
0: (laughs) That sounds really ominous. They used to be.
3: She's deleted it all in shame because she was indeed a 13-year-old Zim fan drawing carbon copies of Zim and Gur and Gib. Uh.
1: It's actually quite adorable. Her DA uh, has a journal post on the front page from 2006 um, about a, a Sort of webcomic company she was starting with a friend, and now you just think you've got a TV show on Cartoon Network.
0: What went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so
1: yeah, the uh, the Cartoon Network show is about the crystal gems and the titular Steven Universe. Uh, and the crystal Steven. gems and Steven. Uh, they are alien, intelligent gemstones who project bodies. It's weird. Okay. You they need are, to get past this.
0: They are thousands of years old.
1: Oh my, yes. Uh, diff- differing numbers of thousands in the different cast, you've got uh, Garnet and Pearl, who are the the sort of senior members of the Crystal Gems left on Earth.
0: It's mum and dad, essentially. Well, mum and mum. Mum and mum. Greg is dad. Greg, oh will Greg is dad, but... Do yep. not do not undermine the role that Greg plays in his own life. Oh, sort of no. um, Greg, Greg is amazing. We'll get to Greg. We
1: will because <laughs> uh, he's more amazing than a lot of people realise. Uh, so yeah, you've got the the mums, Pearl and Garnet, and Amethyst, who is still very very old, but less thousands of years old than Pearl and Garnet.
0: Young by the gem standards.
1: Yes, she's only about five thousand years old. The other two were fighting in wars 5,000 years ago, we actually have no idea how old they are. Uh, so Amethyst is still quite childlike by their standards, so while she definitely has a parental role with Stephen, who is just a young boy, um, mostly human, it's more of a sort of a big sister kind of a role than a parental role, I think. definitely She's still one of the, the kids that <laughs> Pearl and Garnet are having to deal with. She
0: is, you know, she is Prank Queen. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Amongst other things, yeah.
0: Amongst other things, yes.
1: And they all live in a house built on the edge of a temple that is thousands of years old in the city, Beach City. On the planet Earth. Yes. Although uh, the temple does contain a warp room that will take them all over the universe to various uh, former crystal colonies, well, gem colonies. Uh, Sorry, the crystal gems are specifically the three on Earth. Mm. And, well, the four, sort of. Because Stephen is a gem. Stephen! Sorry. I I love Stephen so much. Because Stephen is the child of Rose Quartz, who was a crystal gem, and Greg Universe, the musician.
0: Rose Quartz Uh, was the leader.
1: She was the leader of the crystal gems. The crystal gem rebellion, as you will come to learn. Uh, Except she's not around anymore. Her gem is in Stephen. And we haven't quite gone into it, the detail it, it, of how that worked, important. but it has left Stephen with gem powers.
0: With the the, um, the fan consensus is that you know part of the birth of Stephen was obviously her relinquishing her physical form. So yeah,
3: I don't know if they'll end up ever going into detail about
1: because It gets it, a bit anatomical, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't.
3: Yeah. Seem, it doesn't seem like it's particularly. Obviously, it's important, but it's not. The kind of thing that drives the plot forward in any way. Shape, or form.
0: Someone on the internet said a very good comic about Steven's birth, which <laughs> would totally be would make sense to be if it was canon type season.
1: Mm. And one of the interesting things about this show for me is the fact that the creative team, especially Matt Burnett, are hugely engaging on social media. They really do talk to the fans a lot. And like, get into head cannons and um, word of God stuff, uh, which is how we know. For example, because it does all get a bit anatomical. We were talking about how they don't need to eat; they have projected bodies, but they can also shape shift. And um, Matt Burnett on Twitter confirmed that the way that works is that Amethyst shapeshifts a digestive tract. That is how she eats. Their shapeshifting is that detailed. And without going into too many anatomic details, he did say that the way that Rose carried Stephen as a pregnancy was not dissimilar.
3: Fair enough. That makes sense. But yeah, that's that's getting off the topic of the actual show and into the Doylist Word of God background
0: rather than the show.
1: It is. It is. But I find that stuff fascinating. Back on track. Back on track. Yes, yeah, so you have these thousands of years old gems living on Earth in Beach City um, with their human child of their leader and uh, potentially love interest as well. Uh, it's strongly implied that Pearl was just desperately in love with Rose. Uh, and sad. so. Strongly oh, yes.
3: implied. Strongly implied. <laughs>
1: I'm thinking largely of the song where she is training Connie uh Stephen's girlfriend uh to be his bodyguard and very much projecting her own feelings towards Rose onto how she is training Connie to protect yeah. Stephen uh and very much in the sort of you will lay your de- life down for him because he she he Rose Stephen so much more important than either of us uh they're wonderful and magnificent and it's like yeah yeah we we it's strongly implied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to put it mildly.
3: And Stephen's other parent is Greg Universe, a a, a musician failed. who uh, lives failed. in a van. Yeah, a failed musician who lives in a van and run in a van and runs the local car
1: wash. And uh, failed so, is an interesting word. He isn't a musician.
3: Well he is a musician, but he's not a professional yeah, musician. he's not a
1: professional musician. But we haven't gone into why not that is true and there have been you know again strongly implied there's a lot of um fan theorization around this show because the the show is brilliant at foreshadowing things at putting the evidence on the screen um but and there's a lot of reason to believe that Greg gave up music to be a parent yeah uh, so he may not be failed so much as retired yeah uh, and yes, he has a car wash and lives in his van. Um, in some case, he's
0: someone sacri- sacrificed his dream.
3: Yeah, and all of the money he earns from the car wash goes to supporting Stephen and the Gems because the Gems can't get jobs. They don't have social security numbers, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're thousands of year old crystal people. Yeah, so... You know, try, try and put that on the census, you know?
2: <laughs>
1: I don't think there's a tax code for that. Yeah. No. So Greg supports them all. Uh, So it's a good job that you know half of them don't eat. Yes. And it's a shame that Amethyst
0: does.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but she'll eat anything. So that's literally
0: that is true. (laughs) Literally eat anything.
1: And it it is again. You know, Greg is a great example of uh, the development of this show. He does come across as a bit of a deadbeat dad at first
3: because you know it's. It's made clear that he has handed Steve over to the Gems to raise. And there he is, you know, with his long hair and bizarre <laughs> long t- hair,
0: receding
1: ha- hairline.
3: Bizarre tan lines, living in a van,
1: running a car wash, and with these starry eyed memories of having been a musician once.
0: But the, the more you lines, get into really, that, the tan lines really confuse me because you never see him wearing any more than what oh, he's we wearing—it's well, so strange. Like, so where where have these lines come from? <laughs> they just seem to be permanently etched into his flesh. It makes me wonder if that's actually part of Stephen's birth. <laughs> you know, uh. if, there, uh. if there was some if there was some sort of you know Giant energy flash type or thing. yeah.
3: I think it situation. may just be a neat character design look. I hope <laughs> it is,
0: but I wouldn't put first it past time we see them. wearing
3: uh, yeah, they did cut their teeth on Adventure Time.
0: <laughs> I mean, what, the they, land
3: of terrifying he... continuity.
0: Yes, Adventure Time's continuity is is laughable. To say the best, but still, but he um, he what he wears a vest and shorts yep. and sandals. He Thanks. lives on a beach. Why yeah. not? Yeah, yep. but just these tan lines are for a, like a short sleeve shirt and stuff. But you never see him wear any more than the vest. It is quite (laughs) disturbing. (laughs) This is not something to get stuck
1: on, but we are. No, I'm not
3: so getting stuck on this. Let's get
1: stuck on Onion.
3: No, don't get stuck Ah! on Onion. No, Onion is the terrifying child of the core child that lives in Beach City. He can't be more than, what, five or six years old.
0: People of Beach City are amazing.
1: Yeah. Onion sees all... Knows all.
3: He is a tiny, mute child who follows Stephen around and occasionally steals
1: his stuff. He is either Stephen's friend or his enemy. We're not entirely clear. We think friend at this point. He's on
0: Stephen's phone. Well, Stephen Stephen loves everybody. That is true.
1: Because he is Rose's child, and Rose saw the good in and loved everything. But yes, it's... uh, a city inhabited by various colourful background characters. There, There is Onion and his brother Sour Cream, who is a local DJ, uh, yes. aspiring DJ. Their, their mother Vidalia, who's been recently revealed as a, a friend of Amethyst's, a bit of a Hellraiser friend, uh, who settled down and married Yellowtail, a fisherman.
0: Your, your sense of theme coming here, because mm-hmm. of the character names and professions.
1: Somewhat, <laughs> yes. Uh, Mr. Fryman... Owns the Beach City Fry Shop. I love the Frymans; they're great. And he has two children: P.D. Fryman uh, and Ronaldo Fryman.
0: The first, right? I say this the first time I saw Mr. Fryman. Uh, I didn't realize that was his hair. I thought it was his hat. <laughs> it wasn't until um, which episode with the uh, the mascot costume? Oh God, that one! Yeah and then th- that's when he, when he took the visor off and I was like, oh god, that's his hair! <laughs> like, oh. uh,
1: Ronaldo is great. Ronaldo is one of the kids of Beach City and he runs a blog called Keep Beach City Weird. And uh, he, he is torn between trying to expose the crystal gems because they are the weird, uh, but then he realises when he comes closer than ever to his dream that if he gets rid of the crystal gems, he also prevents Beach City from staying weird.
0: Yeah, that episode is strange.
2: (laughs)
3: He is the local conspiracy theory nut. He is obsessed with the idea that snake people or Sneeple have infiltrated every level of society among his various other conspiracy theories.
0: With his amazing, you know, the, the iconic pictures on a wall with strings, the web... Like, you know, uh, the web of
1: madness. There's
0: a web of madness yep. in, his light, in the lighthouse, of all places. Because, of course, every madman needs a lighthouse. Every madman needs his lighthouse. Uh, you've got Mayor Dewey, Dewey. Dewey!
1: And his son, Buck Dewey.
3: Buck Dewey is the leader of the Cool Kids, of course. A group of teenagers that also includes sour cream.
1: And, seeing as we are talking about the uh, the wonderful naming, yeah. Jennifer Pizza.
3: <laughs> whose family own the pizza shop? Surprisingly enough.
1: Yep, Nanny Fua Pizza, Kofi Pizza, and Kiki Pizza are Jennifer's uh, family, and they run Fish Stew Pizza. Oh,
0: Nanny is amazing. Nanny's Nanny amazing. is amazing. That that episode where um, yeah, they the the the, the, the are fighting, they abs- the puffer fish, and accidentally break the sign again. Yeah, yeah, and just a bit on the on the. Um, the beach where she's like she has a plan it's like you keep she's like you keep up with me, Steven. He's like, Yeah.
1: One of the weird things about Nana Pizza is uh she's based on uh, the grandmother of Ian Jones Quarterly, who's one of the artists and animators who uh also voices Wallow in Bravest Warriors. Oh uh, awesome. also worked on Adventure Time and various things. Now okay, admittedly, you think uh someone basing a character on their grandmother. Not that weird. Until you find out their grandmother is Theodosia Oko, who uh, designed the flag of Ghana, introduced hockey to the country, and is generally just celebrated and very famous in Ghana.
3: That's cool. And she
1: is uh, immortalized in the fish stew pizza um, elder. I I love that. I think that's just a wonderful little nod.
3: Other teenagers in the town include Lars and Sadie, of course, who work at Stephen's favourite shop, the Donut Shop.
1: They are very much a will-they-won't-they they couple.
3: Lars is a jerk. Yes. yes, but
1: Sadie loves him.
3: She shouldn't, possibly. No. no. But <laughs> she,
1: no.
2: <laughs>
3: Lars's ears confused me for ages until I realised that he had stretched earlobes and was wearing one of the um, ones that just the, the clear ones that holds yeah. them open. Because I thought he just used to have stretched earlobes and had taken the plug out or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: kind of saw until that well. I
3: noticed, Until I noticed you know, the inside colour of the plug and things. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes more sense.
0: Yeah, the, she's tiny.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, comparatively. Is not her mom the other
3: tiny. post office worker, post delivery person.
0: Oh, I
1: don't know.
3: I thought that was her mom. Might be. I look like her mom.
1: Then we got Connie. Of course, Connie, uh, also known as Anthe. <laughs>
3: yeah, Connie <laughs> is one of. Oh God, the, yes. Um, and <laughs> there are a lot of references to anime.
0: Um, oh God, Steve in is the in Steven Universe.
3: Show. Yeah, and Connie is Connie and Pearl. Between them, have just all of the re- revolutionary go in a references oh, so because many
0: references in this show.
3: Because Connie looks just like Anthony, and P- Pearl, Pearl is your tenor. <laughs> yeah, Pearl does frame for frame versions of the sword fights, especially yeah. aided by the fact that Rose Quartz's roses will often be involved, so that it does turn into a frame for frame reproduction.
0: Oh, is, oh One of the fights, at least. Yeah. Yeah, so.
3: yeah, one of them was very much meant to be that way. It was a definite reference and a sort of foreshadowing, in a way, of the lesbian relationship between Pearl and Rose.
0: (laughs) There's loads of different anime references. So
1: many.
3: So, so many. So many that I spot some of them. Yeah. You know there's a lot when me and Simon spot them.
1: Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed he had a copy of a Sailor Moon book. Uh, (laughs) Woo! Um, I also um, spotted. Once I was shown Anthe, then the references there became just incredibly obvious. Yeah, uh, there is. Um, there's definite nods to Cowboy Bebop. That's one I'm going to spot because I know it. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, there's a, a very strong Full Metal Alchemist one as well um, with uh, drowning. Drowning. Uh, yes. Well, no, sorry, suffocating. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm just trying to remember if this is in something you've seen. But uh, a Lapis Lazuli has a, a sort of oh, water Lapis. version of herself yes. that tries to uh, kill Stephen and Connie in a way that is extremely reminiscent of Sloth from Full Metal Alchemist.
0: Oh, from the original FMA.
1: Yes, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe I go. Give me a couple of weeks. I'm sure I'm going to be up to date on it. Because this this will yeah. inspire me to watch it. <laughs> um, the,
1: the game ones are ones that perhaps I, I spot a lot more often. Yeah,
0: there's lots of game references.
1: In this there as well. really are, um, including Final Fantasy in yeah. quite a wonderful way. <laughs> Which is um, the the action figures one. I don't know if you remember that from uh, when Hollow Pearl is trying to teach Stephen how to sword fight.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: it's got yeah. uh, Cloud with it's the a massive cloud, sword. Yeah. Along that with um, like harsh. a Moogle and a Sonic, and he's got so many little action Pikachu? figures. Pikachu, yeah. uh, yeah, Pokemon if kind of some
0: kind there.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's a Pikachu type thing. But it's um, oh, which Final Fantasy character is it that does just get impaled through the chest with the giant sword?
0: The, in the toys? No, not that one. It's cloud. Uh, it's the cloud toy. Yeah, but it's. <laughs> Yeah, there not there isn't an Airis toy. toy no. no, there isn't an
1: Ares toy. <laughs> that would have been a bit be, too on the s- nose. That would have
0: been right on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it is the the cloud esque, big yellow hair, big sword to one. There's like a Gundam, all sorts.
1: Yeah, they do uh, get in a lot of references. It's it's very very heavily um, packed with pop culture reference.
3: For example, Connie's favorite book series is very obviously a mashup <laughs> of Harry Potter and his dark materials.
1: Yeah, it is. Child Wizards with Animal Familiars. Yeah. Nice. And that's responsible for one of my favorite jokes in the show, which is when Stephen gets all confused and starts asking her questions and it's like, didn't you read the earlier books? And it's like, there's an order? No, <laughs> I just picked the one with the coolest cover and started with that one. <laughs> Uh, Which upset
3: crazy. Connie quite considerably as she does seem to be a very sort of regimented thinking kind of girl.
0: Well, if you, if you, see her, if you meet her if that meet her mum, that would be, yeah. be a
3: lot. So. She, and, she and Pearl have a lot in common that way. They like things to be in order and sensible and organised and, oh God, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and it also gets referenced in other media. Uh, I'm specifically thinking of an issue of Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, which had a club scene, um, a nightclub, and in the background there were uh, two characters who looked a lot like Garnet and Pearl just hanging out in the corner. Nice. It's a very, very cool little shout-out.
0: Yes, they are the people of Beach City.
1: They are. And the general conceit is that the Crystal Gems are on Earth defending it from uh, gem creatures that come from space and. attack earth and it starts off a bit monster of the wiki
3: yeah with various gem based monsters and traveling to different interesting gem areas that pearl will give little history talks about and then they'll fight the bad guys stephen will learn something it'll be really really cute maybe connie's there maybe she isn't and then they all go home. And Stephen usually makes waffles or eats some Cookie Cat ice creams.
0: Just so think, it's not always Stephen that learns the lessons. That's true. Genre, is it? Many times, Stephen is the one teaching
1: the lessons. Indeed. But
3: early his,
1: on, oh, early so on, so
3: yes. yeah. So this is how it starts. But and but then other characters sad. start learning the lessons, and then more and more backstory gets revealed, and then Stephen finds. A mirror that he makes friends with.
1: And then... (laughs) After a few references to gem battlefields.
3: And then a giant hand
0: attacks the planet.
3: Yeah, so...
1: (laughs) And one of his best friends is torn into two pieces.
0: It's Stephen's um, humanity, basically, what teaches the gems.
1: Because they are very alien. They are imitating human as best as they can, and that's not great until Stephen starts teaching them what that means. And through the different adventures, you just start to get this insight into the fact that the, the gem empire was huge and is now mostly in ruins. So you, you start to get just the fringe of this story of something happened to the gems as a race. And now there's just these remnants that are angry monsters that are coming after Earth. And and quite, not quickly, but as the season goes on, it becomes apparent they're coming after Earth because the crystal gems are there. So their story about being there to defend Earth starts to develop a big plot hole, which is it wouldn't need defending if you weren't here. Well,
0: it's part of the thing is to do with the fact that wasn't Earth originally in a.
3: We're uh, trying uh, to be teasery rather than spoilery, yeah, I yeah. think,
0: is that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's like it had a very, when it came to the war, it had a very significant part.
1: Amethyst was born on Earth. Mm. That's, that's a nice teaser yes. for the role of Earth in the war. And it's also a nice teaser for why the rebellion started. Rose Quartz formed this splinter group the Crystal Gems. And this is the huge spoiler. (laughs) We've teased that bit, and then we're spoiling this. I don't know where the logic's coming from.
3: Yeah, we're making some weird choices, I'm not really sure.
1: (laughs) It turns out that the Crystal Gems are a splinter group who turned against the Gem Empire and made their stand on Earth. That The reason they're there to defend Earth is Rose Quartz deciding that what the Gems were doing to Earth was unacceptable. And The Crystal Gems have continued to do that ever since. Uh, None more enthusiastically than Pearl, but all of them very committed to the cause. And whilst they're there, raise Rose's son. And keep him safe from the threats. Uh, But yes, the end of Season 1, the big reveal, the giant hand, is the reveal that they're not the last gems by a long shot. The Homeworld is still there, the Homeworld remembers, and the Homeworld has found them.
3: In the form of everybody's favourite villain, Peridot. And this is where the fact that that Rebecca Sugar is an Invader Zim fan becomes (laughs) blindingly
1: obvious. Peridot is a gem from the homeworld. Peridot is stranded on Earth. Peridot is an alien invader. Peridot is small. Peridot is green. Peridot is increasingly unstable. Peridot is... (laughs) Questionably competent. Peridot is Zim. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Peridot can't seem to get the homeworld to listen anymore. Why aren't they listening to Peridot's reports?
1: It's like they just abandoned you here, isn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is more theoretical and fan-theorising than the basic. Peridot is increasingly unstable. She, her laugh is getting more and more Zim-like as time goes by.
1: It really is. And in a recent episode, it was revealed that Peridot is even smaller than she looks.
3: Really? Yes. She is approximately ruby or sapphire-sized, not pearl-sized, as we previously thought.
1: Ruby and sapphire are probably characters we should explain before we
3: move on from that
1: reference.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The gems are all very different sizes.
0: Fair enough. The thing is that they appear when this happens. So They do. Yeah.
3: The, gems, all are all very, the gems are all very different sizes. And I'd say Roby and Sapphire are only a little bit smaller than Amethyst. Amethyst appears bigger than she is because she's quite curvy and has giant hair. Greg's hair. Yeah, Greg's hair specifically, because she really likes Greg. But yeah, most of the gems are very, very small, apart from Rose Quartz, who was enormous. But is no longer she was showed. she was
1: huge in, in every way she in was sum she was rubenesque she was giant
3: pearl who is tall but very very slender garnet who is a giant woman but it turns out that garnet in fact is composed of two smaller gems because of the core Steven Universe concept fusion
1: which we're introduced to long before we're actually confirmed on screen that Garnet is a fusion. Gems can combine themselves by in, dancing. By dancing, uh, which is in no way presented as kind of euphemistically covering for anything else
3: I don't know I don't think it's for, it's it's a metaphor for sex but it's not a euphemism
1: okay so metaphor is better and yeah. I didn't just mean sex it's definitely yeah. an intimacy thing yeah because of very very interesting um, uh, analogies that are drawn in episodes late into season two
3: but this is why I say that it's definitely a metaphor for sex yes. rather than a euphemism but
1: it is definitely an intimate act yeah uh, and fusions tend to be increased in size from the gems that fuse. Uh, so we see the, the giant woman of opal or uh, sugalite quite early on, and they are
0: god sugalite
1: monstrous uh, <laughs> is is quite a good way of putting it. They are terrifying, or or could be if you're not Stephen and delighted by everything. That's Alexandrite
3: alexandrite is terrifying and is quite possibly another anime reference in that she is very she deeply resembles an ava in terms of her (laughs) horrifying appearance
0: especially with the mouth. yeah yeah
1: i i'm kind of okay with that Uh, i i think that might be true but alexandrite is kind of amazing
3: Superlight is definitely amazing because she's awesome and voiced by Nicki Minaj.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons she didn't have any dialogue the last time she turned up.
3: Because Nicki Minaj <laughs> is very, very hard to get hold of. I'm sure she's not I'm sure she like doesn't charge them too much or things. I think she's probably just very busy. Oh, yeah,
1: I just think her schedule is hard to get a gap in. Yeah. Um but uh, it, it is revealed that Garnet is a fusion, and a full time stable fusion, which is really impressive. Because what we've learned about fusions is they're difficult to maintain, and they can, you know, go a bit funny. Because it sort of subsumes the personalities of the people in the fusion. So Garnet is this very stable, very casual, very content fusion, and. Despite the fact that there are certain people who will try and deny it to the ends of the earth in the most ridiculous ways possible, it is made very clear it is because they are deeply in love with each other. Uh, too, they are an on screen couple.
3: Two tiny little gem lesbians. They're so very small. They're shorter Isn't than Stephen, aren't mm-hmm. they? Yep. Well,
1: was that confirmed in the tweet recently? Yes. Yes. Again, word of God it. But um, once again,
3: that's Doylist, not Holmesian. <laughs>
1: But, I mean, uh, the fact that it's a relationship is confirmed multiple times from Garnet self-describing it as such.
3: people who try and claim it isn't are really, really very much reaching.
1: It is the ultimate example of gals being pals in some eyes.
3: Word of God is very much not needed for this couple.
1: (laughs) There is a whole song about how they have a relationship, and uh, uh, it it contains the line, I think you're just mad because you're single implying that Garnet is very much not uh, and when a guy hits on Garnet she turns him down on the grounds so that she's already in a relationship It's not subtle it's pretty clear but again it's not lesbianism Cartoon Network don't don't get on Rebecca Sugar's case because they are they are gemstones so it just looks really gay <laughs> Uh, And yes, in in this episode, of course, uh, yeah, they were split up and separated and put in separate cells, and we've discovered that Garnet is an interesting combination of the most serene and the most furious tiny gems that sort of balance each other out into the zen-like gem that is Garnet.
0: Does explain why when Garnet does get angry, it is fucking terrifying. Oh, yes. Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes. (laughs)
0: Because
1: if you let... Well, hmm. Towards the end of season two, you'll see what happens when Ruby and Sapphire are both angry. There's a reason oh. Garnet is terrifying when she's angry. <laughs> but Peridot, yes, um, she looks to be about the same height as so, uh, a little bit shorter than sort of Pearl and Garnet, but taller than Amethyst, sort of in the middle set there somewhere.
3: Skinny like Pearl. Is the, you know, she's got these long legs and long arms.
1: But in a recent episode, when they had hold of her foot, she fired it at them, uh, and her (laughs) rocket foot detached, strongly implying that the ends of her limbs are robot suit, and she's much smaller than she looks.
0: Well, it's like in the first episode you see her, her fingers come off.
3: Yeah, she has these detachable fingers that float around, but that could have been an aspect of the projection, So she literally just fires her foot at them angrily and leaves.
1: And it's still there, so it's not a projection because it's just this physical object. It, she's got little robot suit bits.
3: Her hands and feet, the the gauntlets what appeared to be the gauntlets around her wrists and calves seem to in fact be extensions Like, her feet and hands are in the top of these things, and she's just waving them around, getting overexcited because she's in a robot
2: suit now.
1: Which explains why she can helicopter away with her fingers at one point, because it's just a robot suit thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Go-go gadget Peridot.
1: So I'm really enjoying Peridot as a character. (laughs) Tiny, insane, green gem. I'm not enjoying Lapis Lazuli, who is an amazing character, but oh my god
3: every time she turns up it's horrifying and sad and oh my gosh
1: because Lapis Lazuli is tied up in the storyline with Jasper so far like the biggest bad to turn up in Steven Universe the, the, the end both,
3: of both in terms of the most serious bad and the largest
1: it's the genuinely biggest uh, who turns up at the end of season one as the sort of end of season boss character and is defeated by Lapis Lazuli fusing with her and dragging her to the bottom of the ocean forever. Yeah, which changes the tone of Beach City a little. This lovely town on the site on the shore, <laughs> when was- Stephen looks <laughs> out at the ocean and and knows that there's a fusion at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs>
3: Yeah, this, this lovely town has now suffered an alien invasion and there is a deeply angry and conflicted beast crawling around on the bottom of the seabed, just itching to get out and trample the entire town if only Jasper can get control back.
1: Him and his family specifically. Yep. Hence the Hello Naughty Children, It's Trauma time tone of Season 2. <laughs> Because the secret is out now. The gems can't really keep it from Stephen any longer, that they're at war, and it's just going to get worse from here on in. It doesn't go completely into a war story immediately, but it does change the tone dramatically into a much more um, complicated narrative.
3: Especially in terms of Pearl's characterisation.
1: Yes. She is getting uh, a lot of exploration, because... Resulting in a lot of hate. Yeah, but also a lot of love.
3: A lot of love and a lot of hate. She is basically... It turns out that she's basically... What if Snape was a girl and Lily had (laughs) directly wandered up to Snape and said, hey, can you look after my baby? Rather than, you know, being guilt-tripped into standing in the background of said baby's life and really, really resenting everything. (laughs) So if Snape had been handed this baby...
1: And and also if... Um, and
3: had lots of really nice friends. It's going up. to be a
1: really complicated yeah. analogy, because it's like if if Lily Evans had directly handed Snape the baby that she had died in childbirth to give birth to. I'd now, I see how that falls apart in a literal sense, but on an emotional level, that's what's going on here.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so Pearl has got an interesting emotional response to raising Stephen. He represents, you know, the last remaining piece of the woman she loved, and also the reason the woman she loved both couldn't return that love in a relationship and is no longer alive.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting. When you really have to think about it like that, it gets. It kind of like explains a lot about Pearl. Yes. Oh, yes, it does. Pearl is a
3: naturally very highly (laughs) strung individual, as it is. Uh, this appears to have sort of pushed her over the edge at times.
0: And is this its the spaceship episode from season two. That's the, the no, giant that's hand.
3: season one. No, no, the space when she when Pearl decides if, she wants to build a spaceship and leave. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is season, that is season
1: one. one. Yeah, yeah,
3: which really gets put into context more by season two. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and also, you know, it's revealed that. Um, very much this protecting Earth from the gems is rose's last you know, command to the crystal gems, and that is why Pearl is so dedicated to it to uh, self detrimental levels yeah uh, and yes, uh, season two introduces Peridot as a sort of a, a, an occasionally recurring minor antagonist um, which gives them the excuse to continue jumping around the gem empire, Uh, but uh, it's mostly Earth. She's mostly trying to repair transporters and communication stuff on Earth and maybe restart Earth for the gems, which is a a big threat.
3: Mm. Yeah, it is, once again, another one of those cartoons that gets very, very serious very, very fast.
1: Yes. Uh, To the point, shall we talk about the, the tackling of some really Interestingly dark subject matter.
3: I want to talk about how G-Pain was getting confused and upset that it was getting so dark. Oh, okay, okay, yes. <laughs> g
1: Yes. What? Do, do.
3: Yeah. Well, it, it turns out that he's a fan and was talking about it on Twitter. So, yeah, that, that was interesting.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so
3: now people really, really want him to end up being... Like the voice of an Amethyst-based fusion, because it turns out that Amethyst is his favourite character, and people were drawing him loads and loads of fan art of him and Amethyst just hanging out watching TV. Yeah,
1: just out of nowhere, there were a couple of tweets on T-Pain's feed, just uh, like, am I tripping or Did Steven Universe it used to be like a happy, funny, silly show? This season is hella fe- uh, hella and deep, a little dark, right? Then why is Stephen Universe making me cry? And that's what kicked off a lot of the fans saying, who's your favorite gemstone? And yet T-Pain is just a massive Steven Universe fan, which is awesome. Yeah! But it's... uh, One episode in particular really stands out for me from season Mm -hmm. two, which both introduces a wonderful, wonderful character. (laughs) A a fusion. The fusion we hadn't yet seen. Because in season one, we see more or less every combination of the gems that you could see, apart from one.
0: Oh, is this the- <laughs> yeah.
1: Because <laughs> uh, you see Sugalite, um, you see Opal, you see Alexandrite, but you don't see what happens if Pearl and Garnet fuse. Mm. And uh, what results from that is Sardonyx, who is amazing.
3: <laughs> Voiced by Janelle Monáe.
1: Yep, and seems to be a... Uh, a giant fusion magician.
3: <laughs> Dressed in Janelle Monáe's trademark tux and bow tie.
1: Hence the magician, really, because that's a good yeah. magician look. Yeah. Um, it, I think the most disturbing thing she does is rotate 360 degrees in the torso.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah she can do that. But she, she is a combination of Garnet's confidence and Pearl's perfectionism.
1: So, whereas Pearl constantly strives to be perfect, Sardonyx... never
3: never feels perfect at any point.
1: Sardonyx, with Garnet's additional self-confidence and future vision, so she knows it'll all work out, is just the most self-confident, aggrandizing... I'm not going to say arrogant, because the thing is, she can absolutely back it up, character you will ever meet. And her weapon is a combination of pearl staff with Garnet's um, gauntlets on the end, making giant hammer ends. <laughs> so it's just a huge war hammer. <laughs> wow. Uh, she's kind of amazing and um, adopts very Bayonetta poses in front of the moon. Cool, Speaking the of references. references.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, it, her sort of... She very Musical much, theme is very bayonetta as well.
3: Yeah, she very much has Bayonetta's body type compared to the others in terms of long, long, long legs with, you know, Garnet, um, Pearl's long legs with Garnet's curves. So very Bayonetta figure.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, head, that hair, though. Hot <laughs> 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 dog bun. But that episode, it followed an episode where we'd seen forced fusions Fragments of gem forced together, and this upset everyone, but none more than Garnet, for whom... Fusion is, of course, quite a big deal. Mm. And these forced fusions, they quite specifically and unashamedly brought consent into the, the forefront of a kids' show. I made it very clear that this was... Fusion is an intimate act, and this is... No one asked them, no one got permission. This is the worst crime Garnet can imagine. So when she finds out that Pearl has been manipulating situations to encourage Garnet to fuse with her to form sardonyx when there's no need to, Garnet's consent issues come to the fore again. And this is between characters. Is,
3: it's just. How many episodes does this go on for? It's not sorted out by the end of the show, is what no. I'm saying. And,
1: and there yeah. are multiple references to Stephen going, I like cartoons where everything's wrapped up at the end. And then Garnet and Pearl just walk past each other in stony silence, and that's the end of the episode. And you go, holy crap, that's dark. And yeah, it takes four or five episodes to um, deal with this betrayal of trust and violation of consent. It's, it's really interesting that they took it in that direction. For season two and the way they ended up airing season two is in the steven bombs where you'll get a week where there's an episode every week every day, uh, every day of that week uh, and then a gap and then another week in which it's on every day and this story arc happened to fit sort of wholly and completely within one of those weeks so what a week <laughs> but it does so in a way that it, it doesn't feel gratuitous it doesn't feel uh, there is an aspect of sort of writing for an adult audience in a kid's show. Now, this was writing for a a, a universal audience in a way that's clear uh, and dealing with important topics, but not in any way inaccessible. I thought it was actually really, really well handled. And it's given me a whole new respect for the show. But I'm glad it's over.
3: <laughs> I'm glad that we have had that and it's dealt with now.
1: Yep. And let's hope it never comes up again.
3: But yeah, my two favourite fusions are probably Opal because she's really pretty and Rainbow Quartz because she's terrifying and amazing.
1: Uh my favorite fusion is Garnet.
3: I know it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like Opal for her design.
3: Yeah, Opal she's is
0: sleek is as
3: well. Cool. Yeah. is amazing though. I do not I I can't really choose actually now I think about it because I sit there and go, Yeah, those two, but then I think but Sugar likes amazing. Not basically not Alexandrite because she scares me too much because she looks I like an Ava. Like
0: terrifying.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she looks like an Ava, and I'm not okay with it.
0: What's interesting is I would um, t- be, um, be, hmm? go ahead, Jack. It'd be, be t- uh, potentially interesting to see if they ever fuse well enough to make Alexandrite work properly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that would be interesting. Yeah. But um. I have a personal headcanon about the fusions, Mm. because most of the fusions have an interesting number of limbs or something going on. Oh, yes. Uh, And that's true in almost every case.
3: Every case, from what I can...
1: Well, except for Stevens.
3: Well, Stevoni. except for Stevoni, but Stevoni's different. And
1: to a degree, Garnet. But Garnet,
3: who... no, Garnet has three eyes though, so you can't say to a degree when she also has the wrong number of the well, wrong in inverted commas because it's the right number for her.
1: But I mean, it comes to yeah, you know my theory, and mm-hmm. it comes to my theory is mm. um, opal, for example, has two legs, sure, four arms. Uh but I think just two eyes, one mouth. Yes. uh Alexandrite yes. uh has three sets two of eyes. Arms.
3: three yep. pairs of eyes.:
1: uh, yes, three pairs of eyes. and yes. um two mouths two mouths.: two mouths and three sets of two arms, eyes. so it's like the most Lips. all over the place. um Sugalite, from what I remember, has two sets of arms.
0: She has one arms, set of legs, eggs. three eyes,
1: yeah. um, and Jasper and Lapis Lazuli. I can't remember the name of that fusion.
3: C- Cigalite has four arms and three eyes. Uh, Malachite.
1: Malachite, that's it. Yeah, because um, it's green. I was just going to check on the fusion, but what I remember distinctly was multiple sets of legs.
3: Limbs. The lower yes. body is limbs. They're not properly... Ha- um, she has six pairs of arms, four of which she uses oh, legs. as legs. Yeah. She uses as legs, but they are arms.
1: Now, I, I had a theory that the, the duplications on fusions represent the aspect of autonomy that the members of the fusion are not willing to give up. So, in Opal, they have uh, fused almost entirely apart from the arms. They each wish to be able to manipulate the world around them.
3: They want to do things differently. Yes. Yeah, because the way I've seen it portrayed is not necessarily that it's a matter of an instability in the fusion, so much as that the two gems within it have completely different ways of going about things mm. in that area.
1: Yes, um, instability, uh, incompatibility, rather than instability. Not things- even, not
3: even incompatibility, just different very, very different approaches.
1: <laughs> mm. But, I mean, this is, this is my headcanon. Oh, yeah. oh,
2: sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah.
1: And the way I see it is it's, it is the, the, the parts of their autonomy they wish to retain, mm. because they have different ways of doing things. But it's the, the important thing is it's, if, if you perceive a perfect fusion as being two arms, two legs, two eyes, one mouth, You know, it, what I'm getting to is Stivoni is a perfect fusion because there are no duplications of anything. Um, Alexandrite is like the least, um, in that case, compatible, st- stable, whatever you want to call it, because of uh, multiple mouths means multiple uh, messages, it's multiple arms, multiple ways of doing things. It's
3: because technically there's four different gems attempting to get their opinions across in yep. that fusion.
1: Indeed. Um And uh, Malachite... Uh, the limbs were all grasping, so they all want to claw their way in different directions, you know. Because it's um, two
3: people who don't really want to be together because Jasper
1: forced that fusion. Exactly. Um, and Garnet is almost completely uh, uh, combined, apart from Sapphire's single eye is still there.
3: As a third eye in the mystical third eye position.
1: Yes, because yeah. Sapphire still wants to see the future to protect. Garnet. Uh, and that's the only sort of difference in the way they approach things. And Stephanie, which is uh, what we were leading on to the fusion of Stephen and Connie, which is a really he- real head scratcher as Connie is not a gem. And, and Stephen yeah.
3: is a physical human with gem powers. So, you know, neither of them are projections.
1: <laughs> so it hasn't been explained because largely the crystal gems don't understand it, but they can fuse and they form a. In, in my head canon, kind of completely stable fusion. They have two legs, two arms, two eyes, one mouth. More but, confidence, more grace.
3: But they're not necessarily that, that stable, because they don't gain more arms, than, you know, because we've seen them pop apart under stress, and they didn't gain any more eyes or arms. They just popped mm. apart.
1: Yeah, we'll call it a compatibility then.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, because that's, that's really what I'm driving at, yeah. is that they are in harmony, in sync. Yeah. That they don't have disagreements about how to do things, if you want to put it that way.
3: Yeah, but I I just don't like to put any kind of value judgment on Superlight not being as good a fusion as Stivoni or something, because like Superlight is various people's favorite characters and things, and very they don't yeah, that's, get true, that's true, that's
1: true, yeah. that's true. Okay, no, I'm I'm not saying it's they're bad characters yeah. or that they're they're bad fusions. I'm just saying that there is that um there's something harmonious about Stivoni.
3: Yeah. Stevonnie being a perfectly beautiful, genderless teenage being who wandered barefoot through Beach City for one night.
1: And something harmonious about Garnet. Yeah, um, true. And I love that there was... When we first saw Garnet's three eyes, mm. um, there was lots of speculations of how do you divide up the, the four eyes of Ruby and Sapphire into the three eyes of garnet because we hadn't had a good look at sapphire yet
3: her fringe was over her face at all times (laughs) yeah
1: and then it was finally revealed that oh sapphire is a cyclops right that makes things a lot easier Mm. i'm getting the feeling this conversation between people who actually know the show it's confusing to those of you listening who don't
0: (laughs) But hopefully our
1: enthusiasm encourages you to go and watch it to understand what the hell we're talking about.
0: This show... show,
1: Oh, yes, and I've just seen
3: that people are talking about yellow diamonds. Yes, there are the the diamonds, the leaders of the gems. Ah, yes. Yellow diamond. Um, uh, There's a lot of theories because on some items of gem technology, there is a triangle made up of three coloured diamonds at each point. Is it yellow, green, and blue, I think? I think so, yes. But on other items of gem technology, there is a diamond made of four diamonds. And I believe a lot of
1: those bits of technology are the older bits of technology.
3: And the fourth diamond is a pink diamond. So people have been speculating that pre-gem Civil War technology... There was a pink diamond in the ruling council of diamonds that appears to be how the gems are ruled.
2: Hmm.
3: That appears to be their government style. They get bossed around by the diamonds. But after the Gem War, pink diamond is excised from history. So a lot of people think that Rose Quartz was actually pink diamond, one of the leaders of the gems.
1: Because yes, sense. the older technology that we see has sort of diamond shaped, you know, the traditional rhombus diamond um, technology arranged sort of like the bases of a baseball field. So there's, you know, um, they are themselves in a diamond shape. And the later technology has triangles arranged in more of a triforce arrangement. Hmm. So it is a significant difference. Although, um, actually, I think from what I'm seeing here, it's white, blue... Pink and yellow.
3: Okay, green was a mistake. Then, yeah. Uh,
1: green is the background on which they're set a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, I got confused.
3: So, green diamond is presumably what happens if yellow diamond and blue diamond fuse.
2: Then, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's an interesting theory proposed in the chat room that onion is actually the child of yellow diamond. I kind of like that. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, what was I? Yes, there's so many things to explore like that, like the the control consoles. Because yeah. um, they visit all these ruins of um, gem cities and gem temples, and one of them very clearly, for example, uh, thousands and thousands of years old, gem temple has uh, rose courts in uh, artwork on the wall, in sort of quite simple primitive artwork style, sort of um, what you might see in... Uh, Uh, sort of hieroglyphic uh, kind of um, civilizations, holding up her hands and sort of holding back other gems uh, indeed with a pink diamond and uh, you look at these cave paintings uh, or, well, not cave paintings but sort of murals and you wonder how many of the clues in the surrounding pictures are going to come to pass or going to be significant Uh, they like laying their... they foundations. They do indeed. For example, um, one of the boxes in the back of Greg's truck, uh, can, uh, with the lid slightly off, reveals uh, um, a big stack of t-shirts that are very familiar. They are Steven's t-shirt, pink t-shirt with yellow star on. Turns out they're old Mr. Universe merchandise that didn't sell. That's why he has so many of the same t-shirt
3: which is kind of a shame because i liked the idea that you know the gems didn't really get human rules and stuff so when stephen wanted to only wear a particular t-shirt they were like okay that's fine we'll just buy like 20 of them so that you can keep wearing them and then we'll just wash them when you run out because i kind of liked that idea that they didn't judge him for wanting to wear the same t-shirt just which like, yeah. it's
1: not entirely <laughs> incompatible it just means that they true. got that stack of t-shirts from Greg yep. they were like well Stephen needs t-shirts can we take a box
2: yeah
1: um, there's also there's uh, in the uh, this is going to sound really weird to the listeners who haven't watched the show and I don't know if I want to explain it or not because it's funnier <laughs> if I say in the pocket universe that exists inside Stephen's pet lion
0: <laughs> uh, I was <laughs> going to say about I lion. I love lion. Lions amazing Lion's very-
1: uh, there is a flag. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Jenna so who he hasn't see the show reacting?
0: Yeah, she's, she's only seen. Really tired. She's only seen bits, <laughs> and she's just like,
2: "What?" I'm really tired. <laughs> She's really tired. But yes, yes in the pocket, in the pocket universe,
1: the, the, yes, the pocket dimension that exists inside Stephen's pet lion, there is um, a, a standard, a flag that has a symbol of one pink triangle as opposed to the Triforce of the white, yellow, and blue triangles. So what we might be looking at is the the, the war standard of the crystal gems. Uh, and this, I, I found that one out on the same page that started to speculate about how there were different casts of gem, as it were. So you've got your bulky warrior types, uh, as personified by Jasper and Amethyst when she grows. And then you've got your more sort of technician support characters like Pearl and Peridot and Lapis Lazuli.
3: Because Pearl makes it very clear when she's training Connie that Pearl was never intended to be a warrior. She became a warrior because, despite the fact that she was not suited for it bodily, because she loved Pearl and wanted to protect her.
1: But what not, we see her, yeah, you
3: know, because yes. Pearl loved Rose Quartz and wanted to protect her.
1: But what we see Pearl being really good at is operating gem technology, repairing gem technology, flying gem ships. She is clearly sort of a, a pilot adjutant engineer type, and Peridot is running around engineering things as well. Um, Lapis Lazuli, I'm not sure where that comes in, but you know, you've know, you got Rose is another body type entirely, and she seems to be a diamond, uh, part of this leader cast. Uh, I'd love to know what Ruby and Sapphire's cast is in this theory, but they didn't go into that. <laughs> But there must be a tiny gem cast.
3: Yeah, I wonder what that is. That's kind of interesting. No, I like all these theories. Like, there's, there's a lot of fan theories, and this can partially, partially be explained by the fact that there was a mass, apparently a mass exodus of Homestuck fans. Into Steven, into Steven Universe fandom and if there's anything that Homestuck fans like and are indeed used to due to their long hiatuses that they tell me of it's theorising things and making things overly complicated because their entire fandom was overly complicated it's very similar to how there was a mass exodus of Harry Hermione shippers into Avatar fandom after half <laughs> Prin- Prince came out <laughs> No, it was a legitimate thing. They all mass exodused over into Avatar fandom because they were like, well, at least there is literally no chance that the wrong character is going to get with the Hermione character in this fandom because they're, sis- they're siblings.
2: Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and the Hermione Draco fans all mass exodused over there as well because they became the Katara Zuko fans. She Family history.
0: now looking confused. Yeah, Jenna Sutara, but it doesn't small Draco Hermione. Uh,
2: well this was
3: this was just the fanfic writers. The fanfic writers who had been spurned and in fact personally insulted by JK Rowling (laughs) after the prince came out because she literally just sat there insulting them for a while, forever thinking that Harry Hermione could be canon.
1: Oh dear. So if you want a fandom that is rife with speculation because provably the show has laced all the information into the early seasons, this is your show.
3: Yeah, nothing has happened that was not foreshadowed, at least via background art, which does just fuel the crazy speculation.
1: It's knowing that the artists have put it all on the page uh really does trigger this rampant speculation because once you know they put it all on the page you start going back and looking what's on the page
0: oh kirby's put an interesting theory apparently into the uh, chat room
1: Mm, interesting the idea that jasper who is jasper the big bad is radically anti-fusion uh sees it as an abomination um
3: Specifically, she describes it as a way for weak gems to pretend that they're strong.
1: Yes, and uh, Kirby raises the theory that Jasper has simply forgotten she is a fusion.
3: <laughs> because they do live for an incredibly long time.
0: That would explain the amount of arms from the fusion mm. of her and uh, Lapis.
3: But we'd have to check her for another
1: gem. Uh, Which is interesting because she wears a very covering costume.
2: It's true. Uh,
1: I I think Jasper's primary gem is presumed to be her nose. That's true. Uh, So uh, the other one could be literally anywhere, including under the sort of diamond-shaped buckle of her her sort of chest harness thing.
3: I think think she's probably more, like you said, what a grown-up amethyst would look like because she does very much resemble the wrestling persona
1: very much made for
3: herself when she shapeshifted into something much bigger
1: yes um and that plays into the the warrior cast thing Mm. is that amethyst has this this pro wrestling persona that she goes into to just burn off energy uh to you know get some fighting done between missions and yeah has a similar physique to jasper and clearly loves to fight
3: similar mane of hair to jasper
1: Mm. and what is really interesting in terms of we were talking about sneaking in the sort of representation of lesbians i've always found it fascinating that amethyst wrestling persona is male
3: I think that's probably because all of the other wrestlers were male.
1: Possibly, but I still like it. Yeah, it's it's just a subtle thing that isn't yeah. made a big deal of, and it's no, just I'm there not, in passing.
3: I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that it's not a big deal. I'm saying that probably she was like, well, I'm gonna fit in here by you know. Plus, well, maybe they didn't want to beat up a girl. You know well, exactly.
1: And um, my point there being that the gems are uh, inherently gender fluid. That that kind of um, shape-shifting into a, a male figure for this male environment doesn't bother Amethyst.
3: But they are definitely women. Yes. But except for when people want to pretend they're not lesbians.
1: But exactly. They,
3: but they are lesbians, let's be fair.
1: Yes. They are Stephen's super, super
0: lesbian family. Well, let's be frank. They're gems. <laughs> they are, yes.
3: <laughs> but they are girls.
0: But they are girls.
3: But they
1: are gems. They are gems as far as the Cartoon Network <laughs> sensors are concerned.
0: And as and I just, I just put it, yes, and Cora and Asami are just friends.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a similar let's get past the sensors.
0: Uh, no.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, yeah. Should we go into Steven's abilities?
1: We haven't touched on the abilities of any of them, really, except oh. in passing.
3: Yeah, they all have really cool abilities based on you know typical sort of anime-style hammer space that their gem can produce because they are projections. They can project a weapon from their gem, which usually re- requires them to pull it out of their gem,
0: and it usually represents you know, the aspect that they use the most.
3: Yeah, it's, it's usually at least vaguely representative of their personality. For example, Garnet has massive power gauntlet fists that she fight that she can punch people with. She can fire them at people. They're, they're really, really multi-purpose in terms Make of... Make them grow! Yeah.
1: She can massively scale them up and just bring them down like a hammer.
3: Yeah. Uh, Amethyst has a whip.
1: A three-tongued whip, specifically.
3: A three-tongued whip yeah which she is she's very good with and pearl has a spear which she also uses as the quarterstaff and when she becomes she and amethyst become opal the whip and the quarterstaff come together to form a giant bow which is really neat
1: uh, but pearl also uses a sword almost as frequently that's true, but
3: that isn't her, you know, her primary weapon is supposed to be the stuff, but she does fight with the sword, even though she's not supposed to be a fighter of any kind.
1: Well, I find it very interesting that that her primary weapon weapon. is a spear. Mm -hmm. Something that if you weren't on the front rank, you might have so that you could keep a distance from your enemy, but still defend yourself. Uh, The sort of thing, you might give a technical cast, but she's learnt to fight with a sword. She's put herself on the front line. It it goes to that self-taught warrior thing. Yeah.
3: And Stephen's ability...
0: You might have learned from Rose.
3: Yeah. But Stephen's ability is his ability to project a big pink bubble and also to to protect him and whoever he's with at the time. And also, sometimes, when he can really get the hang of it, to pull an actual shield out of his gem. Which is really useful when he's standing alongside Connie once she's meant to fight with a sword because they can do a sort of two-person sword and shield thing.
1: Or when Stevani is fighting with sword and shield.
3: That would be neat. Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure it's going to come up. Soon, oh, I have a feeling it's coming. Seeing as one of them can fight with a shield, the other can fight with a sword, and they confuse, yeah.
1: <laughs> but those are their weapons that, yes, they hammer space out of their gems, but they have other abilities. Amethyst is by far the strongest shapeshifter. She's the one we see do it. We haven't really seen Pearl or Garnet do it.
3: They can do it, but they're presumably not confident about it.
1: And uh, Pearl has an ability that we haven't seen the others do, and that is her ability to project holograms, Uh, both um, sort of tangible holograms with some independent function, like the hollow Pearl that she uses as a sword training uh, dummy. Or indeed she can project diagrams and illustrations to uh, make her point or sort of subconsciously project her dreams.
3: It turns out the one time she slept.
1: (laughs) Which is why she'll probably never do it again.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, Garnet, of course, thanks to Sapphire's ability, uh, can see the future.
3: Which is presumably why she's so calm all the
2: time.
1: It must give someone a certain sense of uh, confidence Mm. (laughs) once you've already determined the outcome of everything you do.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's definitely a handy ability to have in a team like this.
3: Yeah.
1: And Stephen's other ability is the fact that he can heal things with his spit. I have
2: healing spit! spit! Yeah.
1: Rose had healing tears and Stephen has healing spit.
0: (laughs) Which we find out in one of the most interesting ways.
3: Like, you're in Connie's eyes. Yeah, it turns out that same as you transfer spit during a kiss, Stephen has the much more poetic healing kiss. That seems much more poetic than the healing spit, but, you know...
0: But it is healing spit. It
3: is, technically, that he has healing spit.
0: Well, it wasn't a kiss, it was was healing backwash. (laughs) Yeah.
3: No, I'm just saying that, you know, technically... Yeah,
0: technically, if you're going to romanticise it. it yes, yeah, a, you
3: could be, yeah. you know, if you wanted to make it as romantic as the healing tears, he could yeah. go, well, you know, have a healing kiss, but no, it is the spit. He can do it by backwashing into a can of drink.
0: What he tends to do is lick his hands and rub it on people.
3: Yeah. <laughs> or that, is his, that, that is whatever. But his preferred delivery method.
0: That's the thing. It doesn't work on just people. It works on stuff.
3: Yeah, that's true. Because it's a gem power, so it's, you know, useful for gems, which are not physical people.
1: He also has the superpower of Cheeseburger Backpack.
2: Cheeseburger
3: Backpack. I love Cheeseburger Backpack.
1: backpack. Yeah. I'm sure you can get it. Yeah. Uh, We haven't seen any specific powers uh, demonstrated by any of the other gems, have we? Well, they can all bubble.
3: Um, Lapis Lazuli has control over water. Oh yes, That's of course. I forgot. <laughs> I I forgot
1: about that. Yes, she absolutely has complete hydromancy, doesn't she? Yeah. She's a waterbender.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh yes, and Stephen can age in whatever direction he wants.
3: But he can't really control it. He
1: he, he will just be the age cats. he feels. Oh yes, and he can turn his fingers into cats, so he has a bit of shapeshifting there as well.
3: But he, was, is again, so he's not very good at controlling it.
0: That episode is terrifying.
1: Yeah. He can psychically communicate with other uh, gems in his sleep.
3: Yeah, that's true. That was horrifying as well.
1: Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) And what's interesting, actually, is um, he has all of these gem abilities uh, and gem powers, but he doesn't seem to have their weaknesses. He's a super munchkin of a human and a gem, because there are weapons that stun and deactivate and destabilize gems, and they just don't hurt him.
3: So yeah, he basically is superpowered by both standards. Oh,
1: and he can bring watermelons to life.
3: Oh yeah. Once again, that was horrifying. And the next Stephen Bomb, they've promised they're going to address that. And I don't really think I want them to address that planet, that island full of sentient living watermelons that Stephen created. I'd really like it if they never went there again, to be honest. But that's that I'm not getting my wish.
1: No, because we will visit Watermelon Island,
3: just as we visited Onion's house.
1: <laughs> Onion's house was freaky as well. It
3: anything. wasn't. It wasn't the Onion's house. It was more the Onion's room. Onion's room,
1: yes, not not his room in his house, but his other room that he had.
3: The rest of the house was really quite nice because you know yeah. his, his mum is a really nice person and all of that. But <laughs> the onion is creepy. He tries. He just wants to be a good friend and isn't very good at it because he's creepy.
1: Which does make me suspect there's more to Onion than we've been told.
3: But at the same time, that could be a really, really clever double bluff.
1: Worryingly, yes.
3: Like we said, this show really lends itself to
1: overanalyzing. David also has the power of electrical interference. Oh, yes he does. Yeah. Which Basically, can be sure. a bit of a drawback sometimes. Yes.
0: Yeah. He can sense emotion.
1: And someone has just posted a picture of Steven turning into uh, an Akira-style monster uh, formed of many cats.
3: Which oh, was yeah, a, yeah, that They're, was the thing that
1: happened. Yeah, that that happened, did. So. Yeah, that did happen. There was a lot of cuteness in that episode, it's but it didn't end cute. Cute. Yes. It ended like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fixed by it's by Okay.
1: Yes, most of the time the the issues are fixed by the end of the episode. I
0: feel like it's it's sorted out by the episode.
1: Although sometimes it's sorted out in the sense that the watermelons have gone off and formed their own colony.
3: Yeah.
1: Which is not actually uh, fixed, that's just deferred. True. (laughs) Sometimes it's fixed in that Lapis Lazuli drags Jasper to the bottom of the ocean to try and trap her there. Um, but that, again, doesn't actually solve the problem so much as just put it off. Uh, Yeah, so to say it's all wrapped up by the end of the episode, not always true.
3: But, of course, the cartoon that inspires Stephen to say that is crying breakfast friends.
1: (laughs) Yes, which is just a (laughs) continual reference in Stephen Universe. It is a show about breakfast food that cries that Stephen is a big fan of.
0: These stickers, the
1: wish
3: portals don't work. Yeah, there's a crying apple, a crying pear, a crying waffle, a crying croissant, and a crying carton of milk.
0: Yeah.
3: They they just seem to cry all the time. None of the other characters get why he likes it. It does also have the extremely self-referential line of who wants to watch a show about people crying. (laughs) <laughs> Considering the amount of crying that Pearl has been doing lately.
1: And that Stephen does as well.
3: Yeah, Stephen cries a lot because he's a very sweet, emotional child. It is something I really like about it that Stephen is, they're never afraid to show Stephen crying, even oh. though he's a boy. There's no sense that he oh. has to be a tough, non crying boy. Stephen cries all the time at the slightest, slightest
1: yeah, thing. He is sensitive.
3: He cried one time he cried. because he, he was sad that snakes didn't have legs. <laughs> he was very sad about that one.
1: Yep, that that was a thing. I, I think we may have said everything we can.
3: Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> I mean, there, there's more to say, but it's more in terms of the crazy theorizing area of, of the show than anything
1: else. We, yeah, we would just be getting into crazy fan theory.
3: And weird canons and stuff the creators have said on Twitter, which, you know, is word of God not seen canon. So,
1: And whilst we could do that comfortably for a long time, we'll spare you.
3: Yeah, that's fairly a good idea. Like Especially
1: the- considering the uh, connection seems to be falling apart on us. Technical yeah. problems. Yay.
3: Yay, the best kind. <laughs>
1: no, no. Technical victories are the best kind of victories. Oh, technical yeah. problems are not the best kind of problems.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I can just about hear something happening at the other end of Skype. Are you, are you okay in the Irish household?
0: <laughs> yeah, Jenna's pretty much just going. She, found, uh, she has more difficult difficulties.
1: Yeah, we're really, definitely
0: yeah. having technical difficulties.
3: <laughs> yeah, I didn't really hear that That's true. very well. That one
2: dancer.
0: It's strange because I hear you guys fine. Well, it probably means
1: your upload is not as great as your download. Ah. But anyway, that's the technical problem. Um, the other problem is that we're running out of show. So, is there anything you want to add about Steven Universe before we call it a night? Ah. Uh... Genesis <laughs> <laughs> cute. Is there anything you want to repeat about Steven Universe before we call it a night? <laughs> it's cute. Genesis looks cute. It is cute. It is very cute. It is occasionally very disturbing and very occasionally terrifying, but it is extremely cute. And Lion is great.
3: Yeah, that sums it up. Love Lion. Lion would make a good cuddly
1: toy. Lion would make an excellent cuddly toy. Yes, I want a Lion plushie. A Lion plushie that has a zip, uh, (laughs) so you can actually put things in Lion. Lion bag. Yes. (laughs) Why is this not actual merchandise? (laughs) Yes, that needs to happen. Okay, Okay. so watch Steven Universe. It's great. And um, you can catch up fairly quickly because it's a Cartoon Network show, so the episodes are not long. Uh, And there haven't been that many of them. We haven't even finished season two yet. And yet it's already got deeply complicated and strange. But for now, this has been World 1 Stage 1. I have been Simon.
3: I have been Zoe.
1: I have been Irish. There we go. Goodbye.
3: Bye.
2: Bye.